0: If you have a Bible uh, with you, I'll invite you to open up to Ephesians chapter 3. Now we have spent the last, this will be week 4 of 4, in this section in the middle of Ephesians chapter 3. And, and you may recall that this passage, the bulk of this passage that we've now spent four weeks on, this after this morning, was our closing or kind of sending passage or benediction for all of 2022. And we were very deliberate in having this passage be our, our benediction for that year because it speaks to really the core of who we are. It speaks to, to what's important. It speaks to identity. It speaks to where we can kind of base our lives on in, in, in God's love. And so we got to the end of the year, and man, there's, there's still a lot more to consider out of these verses. And we've got through four weeks, and I think we could probably start at the beginning and keep mining the depths of this prayer of Paul. We're going to wrap it up this morning. Let me just read for us first where we've come from over the last three weeks or so. This is Ephesians 3. Picking it up at these verses right here, 14 to 39. Paul writes this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his Spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in God's love, might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now just as a little bit of a recap, Paul, Paul gets to the middle of this letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians that we know it. He's written a couple chapters and, and is Kind of what his normal practice is is he writes a letter to to teach something to explain something And then he transitions to the here's what I want you to do with this information section And that's where we find ourselves in this letter. Paul has spent the first two and a bit chapters nearly three chapters teaching theology teaching the things of God reminding the church all that god has done for us through jesus which we have in no way earned by our own works and then he gets to this kind of transition he says "The, the only reasonable response to all god has done for us is to fall to my knees and pray and thank him it's worth us spending some time to remember what paul had talked about in those first couple of chapters he he tells that church and us as well that that we are chosen by god we, we, we've been adopted into his family. We have we have familial rights in the family of God. We have been, because of Jesus, we have been redeemed and forgiven our sin and our, and our wrongdoing. We've been shown the mystery of Christ, and that the mystery still exists. We'll never fully wrap our minds around all that Jesus accomplished, I don't think. I probably won't. But we've been given this picture. Since we've been adopted into the family, we've, we've We've been given an inheritance, a good inheritance, one that doesn't spoil. We've been sealed and we're guarded by the Holy Spirit. We were once dead, Paul said, but we've been brought to life. We were once children under wrath, under uh, the right, just punishment for our sins, but because of Jesus, we've been saved by grace through faith. He said that we're not accidents, we're God's workmanship, and we're not just workmanship, we're God's masterpiece. He said that we were once far from God, but because of Jesus, we've been brought near to God. We were once foreigners and strangers, but now we are fellow citizens of the kingdom of God. That's a a massive list. And Paul's response in the opening lines of this prayer reminds us that when we hear all that, the only natural response is to fall to our knees in prayer. And he says, as we consider these things, we, we come to God with a sense of, of humble gratitude. God, Jesus, I don't deserve any of this. God, there's, there's, there's nothing good in me that deserves you to love me like this. And so I thank you. And we can come to God with a, a sense of humble desperation as well, realizing that all that is good in and around me is not my doing, but it's God's grace. And any good that I might accomplish is God's working through me. We can come with a humble desperation. We can also come with a humble confidence. We're not outsiders anymore. We're not foreigners anymore. We're not lost. We're not under wrath. But instead, because of Jesus' work, we can boldly approach the throne of the King of Kings, as the writer of Hebrews says. So we can come with our prayers, with our asking, with a humble confidence as well. Then in the the second part of the prayer, the next couple of verses, Paul prays that out of all of God's riches, that he would strengthen us with power through his spirit and that Christ might dwell within us, in our hearts, through faith. And we said that this dwelling is so much more than um, kind of what North American or Western Christianity has sometimes sort of devolved into of, I'm going to ask Jesus into my heart and then carry on living the way I want to live. We said, no, no, when when, when we ask Jesus to dwell within us, to inhabit us, we are giving him control. We're saying, whatever you want to do with this sack of flesh, it's yours. Transform it, please. Make it more like you. It's turning everything that we're trying to hang on to and grip for control to turn those controls over to Jesus. All those, those wants and desires and things that we, we feel we just deserve, I'm owed this by the world, by others, or whatever, we submit that to Jesus. Those plans that we've made for our future, we've got maybe the five-year plan, the 10-year plan, whatever it is, we hand that to Jesus too. It's like, here's where I think we're going, which is you have the right to shred it and send it in direction. It's turning everything over to Jesus, even our, our natural tendency or that inherent longing or that cultural desire to put ourselves first we live i don't have to tell you this we live in such an individualistic culture that says i look out for me first whatever's best to me is what's best for me and everyone else can adapt instead we say jesus what's best and we do what he wants it's only when jesus is our lord and savior when when jesus is our leader and rescuer that we find the abundant life that our hearts crave, and this requires surrender, complete surrender. Kind of the analogy we gave to to, to picture this surrender was that of a, a trapeze um, flyer. And it's hanging on to this the trapeze, stepping off the edge first of all, hanging on and swinging out, and then when you get to the end, letting go and trusting that your catcher will catch. Jesus is good; he will catch. And then Paul shifts his prayer to start, start petitioning the Lord for things for the church, He starts asking for things. And he says, he, he prays that we would grow in our understanding of the love of Christ, the one that we're surrendering to, the one we're trusting to catch us. It's fascinating that he doesn't ask that, he doesn't pray that the church would love Jesus more, which is a great prayer. And I hope that all of us grow in our love for Jesus. But he asks that they would understand God's love for them more that you would just keep mining the depths of what that means. And it really is the heart of this prayer in the middle of Ephesians. He prays that we would be rooted and built up, built on a strong foundation of God's love. And he prays that with all the saints together, because there's only a little piece of this we can grasp on our own, but together we'd be able to comprehend and to know Christ's love for us. And this isn't just a, an intellectual pursuit. This isn't just a, a head knowledge thing. This isn't, Pastor, give me another book to read about God's love so I can read it, check it off, and have this, this list of, of facts about how God loves me. No. This is including an experience. You can't fully know God's love until you have experienced it. More often than not, and I, I hesitate to say every time, but probably close to every time in the Scriptures where we have this word, know, It's more than just knowledge. It's one of the most intimate kinds of knowing. Think about the Old Testament where we often read that a husband knew his wife and a child came along. You can put the pieces together, right? This is not just a a husband knew his wife was in the other room and had knowledge that she was blue eyes and whatever else. At the risk of taking a, a bit of a rabbit trail here, despite what our culture wants us to believe, sex is not just a physical act. None of you read the passage for this morning and thought John's going to talk about this. Did you? But instead, sex was something created by God, existed in the garden, pre sin, pre fall, as good, as very good to be the most intimate connection between a man and a woman in a lifelong committed covenant relationship. It's a full uniting, not just of their physical parts, but of body, spirit, and soul, the two become one flesh, right? And that's just a foretaste of the intimacy that God created us to have with him, Complete body, soul, spirit, naked and unashamed. There's no hiding. There's no secrets. There's no skeletons in the closet. There's no guilt. It's being completely vulnerable, which is terrifying, let me tell you. But yet knowing you're completely safe. This this knowing, which is how we tie it back to Ephesians 3, This knowing is both fully intellectual, but also fully experienced. And Paul tells us we can't actually know God in this way by ourselves. We actually need the Holy Spirit to help us understand this. And so he prays that we would know that we're secured in God's love. And he prays that we would know the the limitless dimensions of God's love and that we would know that, that this love surpasses all knowledge. We can try to wrap our heads around it. We can even ask God to help us wrap our heads around it, and we, we'll never get there, and that's okay. And he prays that we would know God's love, so that we would be made mature. The language he uses that we would be filled with all the fullness of God, that we would be turned into, transformed into, exactly who God made us to be. Now, after all that, you might get to these last couple of verses and say, Paul, be done. Just say amen. There's a lot here. But he doesn't. He continues. He does give us a bit of a concluding thought, but by no means should we just gloss over it and get into the next chapter of the book. Let me read it for us. Ephesians 3, picking up at verse 20. Paul says, Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I love how at the beginning of this this passage, Paul breaks into prayer saying, the only natural response for all that God has done is to fall to my knees and pray. And as he gets through this prayer, he gets to the end and says the only natural response after all God has done and after all these prayers is to fall back to my knees and praise. All glory to God. Earlier in the letter, Paul told us that the power of God that was given towards believers is nothing less than the mighty strength that raised Jesus from the dead. The power of God for believers is nothing less than the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. And now, he says, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that put Jesus on the throne in the heavens, and that raised us up and brought us to life with him is at work where? Inside of us. I mean, come on. The, the immeasurable power of the living God is at work within you and me. me, Brian, I think we've got to turn the mic up again. It's not like it's not... <clears throat> Let me restate. The immeasurable power of God who sent his son Jesus to walk this earth, who, Jesus, was murdered for our sins, put into a grave, laid there for three days, behind a stone, and the power that raised him from the dead, power that did that, is at work in you. Thank you. Okay. Okay. I mean I could say it again I we, we never get tired of hearing that but goodness and it, like this we read this verse 52 times last year and it's still like what the power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you one commentator puts it this way he says Paul praises God for the bestowal of strength by his spirit on his people and then affirms that the full realization of God's gracious purposes for them and in them becomes possible. If you've ever felt like, I don't think I'm who God created me to be, you're right. You're not yet. But it's possible. Because the power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in all that muck and mire inside of your own heart and my heart. Here's what this means. God has a wonderful plan for your life wonderful plan for your life for all of our lives here are some of the things that, that describe that plan that Jesus has said that, that the scripture says first Jesus says love everybody around you the same way I've loved you easy right no problem check next Jesus says hey uh, in in all of your going in and how you carry about your life Go and make disciples. Tell them about me. Baptize them in the name of the Holy Spirit. Easy, right? Okay, check. Two of two. God also happens to say, it's more than once in the scriptures, be holy as I am holy. Okay, that one might take us to the end of the day, but... You and I cannot do these things under our own power. It doesn't take many hours into a day for me to be reminded of that in my own life. I cannot do these things. I cannot be who God created me to be by willing myself there, by trying to strengthen myself and get myself there. I cannot. But God, he's not asking us to do these things on our own. He's saying, here's here's what I want from you. Here's who you're created to be. Let me get you there. Here's the power. Paul praises God and shows us the greatness of God. And look at the the what, the how, and the why of this doxology, of this this closing remark in the prayer. First, he praises God for what? He says that God is able. Well, okay, great. What is God able to do? Look at the text with me. He's able to do above. Okay, good. That's good. He's able to do above and beyond. That's even better. He's able to do above and beyond all that we ask. Okay, that's pretty good. I I got a lot of questions. I got a lot of asks god is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think or imagine your translation might say now i would like to think over the course of my 40 years or so i have come up with some pretty big plans." and then a verse like this comes along and they all start to feel pretty puny sometimes when i when i start to you know, do some strategic planning for the church, or or, or pray and hope where we're going to go. I come to the planning with a verse like this in mind and think, I'll show God, I'm gonna I'm gonna plan something big, and I'm sure God and His loving, patient Father away, just like Oshon. Like, ask ask something, right? Like, is that all you got? This passage has been one of the the key kind of verses and prayers that we've kept repeating throughout our Seeking God's Direction building campaign. And I think it's proved pretty true so far. And expect, I'm trying to expect and imagine that it will continue. When we started thinking about where God might be leading us as a church, specifically with regard to a building, facility, and how we're going to either maintain here or whatever, changing locations was never on the radar. Never. We took a look around, we had a little bit of wisdom, looked at the dollars and cents, and I was like, not gonna happen. Great, that's fine, we'll be here. And now we're praying about a meeting in front of town council to get on a piece of land four times the size of us. Through our first uh, capital campaign, you remember, or I new we, we <laughs> it was my first like big preaching series on generosity and giving ever which i gotta say there's 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 some hard topics to preach on um giving is probably near the top all right because the it's just six weeks generosity giving vision mission stewardship all the things COVID, church is closed for six months ah we're about to launch into our capital campaign then and and even though we, so we, we, we pushed that back into the fall. We went from, it was going to be Palm Sunday we launched, and we pushed it back to Thanksgiving. We exceeded our goal, which we thought was big, by almost 50% in pledges received. God can do more above and beyond than all we ask or imagine. I love how one, one commentator encourages us. He says, God can do more in response to one prayer than we can do in a hundred years of planning and plotting. (laughs) God can do more in response to one prayer than we could do in a hundred years of planning and plotting on. So the question is, do we believe God alone is sovereign? Do we believe he's in control? Not just here. I know many of you have been around long enough to know that the answer to this, the answer Sean's looking for is yes, we believe. Do we actually, do we order our lives? Do we do we step out in faith in ways that prove that? My hope and, and prayer for us is that we would have a, a view and a vision of God that increases our faith in his greatness. That's, that's the what. The next thing Paul talks about is the how. how. How does God work beyond our imaginations? Well, he says it's according to the power at work in us. Now that's just, I mean, another layer of mind blowing. So God's going to do more than I expect, but he's going to use me to do it and us to do it. Think about some examples of characters we have in the Bible, people we have in the Bible. Think about a guy like Abraham, or Moses, or Gideon, or David, or Esther, or Isaiah, or Nehemiah. Or Elijah. And James, James, a little bit later in the New Testament, writes that Elijah was a human being just as we are. This whole list, human beings just as we are. But James reminds us, Elijah was a human being just as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain and the land produced its fruit. Human being just like we are. Think about Mary, mother of Jesus. Think about the disciples. What a group of riffraff. And One of the things, I was talking with someone in between the services. I don't know if, if you've watched The Chosen at all, the TV series. One of the things that I think they do really well is kind of dig into the stories of just how much these disciples would not have wanted to be in the same room with one another. From a tax collector to a zealot to a fisherman, like these were ordinary people. Think about Paul himself, what God did through him. Once the written New Testament wraps up, think about what the church has done. Think about the positive things that the church has done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Healthcare, education, these are biblical things. Equality of People is a biblical principle. Think about theologians or missionaries or evangelists. where you look at like, God, well, forget Billy Graham. I, I could never do that. Or forget, you know, the Elliots who went to to this foreign tribe, and like that's not me. There's nothing special about those guys. Music in Germany, nothing special except the power of God at work in them. God is able to do extraordinary things by his power to ordinary people like you and me. So are we willing to ask God to do that? Are we willing to say, God, will you use me to do extraordinary things by your power? Now, this isn't something you just pray because the pastor told you to. Or the preacher said, well, we, we made this point, so I guess I should pray it. Don't do this haphazardly and don't do it out of pride easy. Pride can be a really sneaky minx that gets into all sorts of things, can't it? Yeah, I want God to do amazing things through me because then people will look at me and people will want me around. No, no, no. When you pray a prayer like this, the thing is God might call you to give up a whole lot of stuff. Things you thought you needed or wanted and send you across the planet for a long time. Look at this verse one more time. To him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power of work within us. Think about what might God what God might do through you. Think about what God might do through this local church. I'm going to ask for some feedback. What are some of these things that might come to mind? What might God do through you and through this local church? There's some things that come to mind. What might God do through this local church? Creating bridges with indigenous neighbors. By the way, anything else? Remember, we've been told to think on the it's a previous version, right? More than we could imagine. So let's think even bigger. Not that that's not the right answer. There are no wrong answers to this question, by the way. Just to be clear, influence the culture within the community. Okay. That's bigger. Good answer. Hmm. You are a gateway, bit of a gateway CM. yeah. yeah. To leverage that for his kingdom. That how many people from other countries are here for? Weeks or a season or anything else one to mind? New facility for daycare, yeah. Now take all of those things. I know that you, some of you probably have other things in mind of what can God do through me and what can God do through his church. And take, take with that uh, this encouragement from N.T. Wright. So reflect on the fact that God is perfectly capable of that Doubling that, tripling that, and then going so far beyond that that you would look back at this present moment and that thing that we've just said and wonder, how could I have been so short-sighted? I love it. I love it. Now, this isn't some sort of magic trick that we rub the genie and God comes out and grants us all these sorts of wishes, but why do we ask this? Look at verse 21. To him be the glory. It's not about Pastor Sean. It's not about Trinity Bible Church. It's not about any of that. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations forever and ever. Amen. The ultimate goal of our prayers is for God's glory to come. So that he can get more of the glory that he is actually due. John Stott says that God desires the glory of God desires glory in the bride, in the church, and in the bridegroom, in Jesus. God wants his, his glory to be seen in the community of peace and the peacemaker. And for how long? Forever and ever. Amen. That's how long God will be glorified for his love and his power. Forever he will be glorified by his people. Forever he will be glorified in Christ Jesus, the Lamb who was slain for us. Forever God will be glorified in Christ who fell to his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane, who took the punishment for our sin, who reconciled us to the Father and to one another, and who now dwells in our hearts by faith in the Spirit. To God be the glory forever. Let me wrap up with an analogy here. Consider a young child and money. I don't know if you've got young kids in your life. Think like you know, elementary age kids. If you give an elementary age kid five bucks and send them into the old-time candy shop on Main Street there they I'm in mean, I can have it all put it all in a bag mom put it all right they, they just have have no concept of of what that money is've we've, we've talked with our kids not a, not a lot but about like you know, houses and cars and these things and, and one of them probably the younger one was like so did our house cost more than a hundred dollars? Yeah, it did. Yeah. It was a few years ago, but yeah, it's <laughs> like they just they don't have a, a concept. They're not limited by these things, right? So there's a sense that we need to regain some of that enthusiasm or or naivete is maybe not the right word, but that the thing that I've got a crisp blue one in my hand, and I'm buying the whole candy shop. I've I've got Jesus at work in my life. There's no limits to what he's going to do in and through us. The great news of the gospel is that God can and will take our little, ordinary, finite, $5 lives and do something infinitely greater than anything we could ever ask or imagine with eternal implications and eternal ramifications more than we could ever dream of. Let me pray. God, thank you for your word. And thank you for this text. Thank you that that Paul wrote this prayer to the church 2,000 years ago, and it still screams at us today. I pray, God, that you would help us to know your immeasurable power and your vast love. I pray that you would use every one of us in this room to bring your glory to this place and wherever we find ourselves. Jesus, thank you for your work on the cross. Thank you that you came and and lived the perfect life that we were called to but failed to do. Thank you that you are obedient, perfectly obedient to the Father and, and showed us how to relate to God and to others and to the world around us. Thank you that even though you were innocent, you went to the cross and died a criminal's death in my place and that three days later you were raised, conquering Satan, sin, and death, so that we can be called children of God. If we turn to you, you've done all the work. This prayer has reminded us that again and again and again. We pray, Jesus, that you would take our ordinary little lives and accomplish great eternal things for your sake and your glory.
1: Just uh, sit with those words for a few moments. The song we have come to sing, which captures. about for the last few weeks, how deep the Father's love for us. Stuart Townman writes, how deep the Father's love for me, for us, how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make me a wretch, his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father." turns his face away as wounds which mar the Chosen One bring many sons to glory. Let's just sing the first verse of that, just remain seated. How
2: deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure. That he should give his only son To make a wretch his treasure How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory
1: thinking about um, God's power in us read a quote recently before we sing the closing song which is a challenge. It simply says shine Jesus shine through through me shine through us as a church it simply says um, <clears throat> don't shine so that others can see you but shine rather so that through you others can see Jesus I thought that was pretty potent. And how do we shine? Another little search. How do we shine? By loving loving those in our world, even our enemies, Jesus said. It's easy to love our friends, but much more difficult. And Jesus taught to love our enemies and pray for people and give somebody a smile this week and serve. So many ways we can serve in the church, in the community. Donate, open your door and be an encourager. Eight little points to live by. Let's stand as we as we sing. Uh, shine, Jesus, shine, shine your love in a needy world.
2: <clears throat> Lord, the light of your love. Is shining in the midst of the darkness, shining Jesus, light of the world, shine upon us, set us free by the truth you now bring us and shine on me. Shine on me the shine, Jesus, shine, fill this light. The Father's glory in blaze, Spirit blaze, set our hearts. Come to your awesome presence From the shadows into your radiance By the blood I may enter your brightness Search me, try me, consume all my darkness and shine on your kingly brightness so our faces display your brightness Would you sing that again? Shine, Jesus, shine Fill this land with the f-
0: Well, as we wrap up our time together, let me uh, send us out with our benediction for one last time, this one anyways, for now, from Ephesians chapter 3. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, that God will empower you with inner strength through his spirit, and that Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him, and your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep His love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. And then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than all we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church, and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being with us. Hope to see you again soon.